Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. First up, he is a youth leader, he is a prayer warrior, he is a faithful friend, and he's also Encounters reigning Volunteer of the Year for 2022. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Harry Heights! Hello. Yeah, um, well, yeah, my name is Harry, um, and yeah, I'm an intern at Encounter. Um, yeah, so I'm 24 years old, I'm single, and I'm a carpenter. Internship has been such a great thing. Um, it's been so cool to be able to sit under the leadership of Encounter, and there we are, it's a ladder. Um, and yeah, it's been awesome. Um, yeah, shout out to my family and friends that could make it, and to those who are going to watch this online. Um, special shout out to my buddy Nick. There he is. Uh, do not ask Nick for any stories of my pre-Jesus days. You have been warned. All right. Um, so we have been given the selection of Jesus' I am statements from the Gospel of John. And I was quite quickly first to choose I am the vine because I opened my Bible and my bookmark was at John 15. And I was like, that one. And then um, also it's something that I, the concept behind it is something I've been quite passionate about and interested in. Um, and even though it's quite a simple concept that a lot of you guys are going to have a better idea about than me, I hope that everyone can be encouraged by it today. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to pray. Um, yeah. Father, thank you that we get to be in this room today to hear interns preach and to hear testimonies and see baptisms. Um, yeah, God, I just pray that the... Words I have prepared are pleasing to you and that you speak through me. Um, and yeah, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Remaining in the vine is abiding in Jesus. It's not a one-time decision. To remain is a choice we have to make constantly. This may sound exhausting, but it's actually by abiding in God we experience what Jesus calls life to the full earlier in John. And it's uh, through this we will live a life bearing much fruit, things like love, peace, and joy. When we choose to follow God and try to live out his purpose for our life, despite our circumstance, uh, despite affliction, this is faithful abiding. It is in choosing God that we live fruitful lives. Um, John 15, 4 to 5 and 8. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and me in you, you will bear much fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is God's word. Jesus is divine, and we are the branches. That's a bad one. I apologize. Yeah. If a branch is connected to its vine, it is alive and well. It is green and healthy, and so it can do its thing and produce much fruit which is to our delight when we can enjoy the goodness of the fruit of the vine. 
But if the branch is disconnected from the vine, it quickly withers and lacks what it requires to produce fruit. To abide in Jesus is to remain in the vine. We belong in the vine of life. We belong with God. And it's within this loving relationship um, we live the fruitful lives God intended for us. Abiding is about a life of intimacy with God that leads to a life of fruitfulness in relationships. Remaining fruitful, abiding in Jesus, prevailing through life's struggles. If we want to be good at this or able to do this, we need a trusting, patient, steadfast faith that is formed through a life of seeking intimacy with God. God doesn't require us to be great at this in order to use us, but it's through seeking a close, deep, and personal relationship with God that we start to intentionally participate with God in his perfect plan for all creation. John 15, 9, 13. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Um, yeah, well, this is God's word. We can say that again. It's good. Thanks be to God. <laughs> We can read about God's love and commands, but it's when we choose to seek intimacy with God that the truth of his nature will be revealed to us. A weird and amazing but total natural response to realizing God's loving nature and divine nature is a pouring out of immense praise and a longing to worship. We the branches don't try and produce fruit so that we may belong in the vine. We belong first. It's through choosing to remain in the vine, a life of worship, that we may live fruitful lives. Abiding is more than trying to behave according to God's plan. There is a deep abiding that exists within us, in our hearts, an abiding that comes from more of a belonging in a longing for more of God. When we realize and experience our relationship to God, we realize it's not a relationship of rigid rules and religion, but a relationship of total loving grace and freedom. And it is this, and it is why, and this is why we praise God. Not because he demands a response of, to receiving, sorry, let me see, read that one again. And this is why we praise God. Not because he demands praise, but because praising God is a response to receiving and knowing God. We praise God because God is worthy of all the praise. And when we see that, it is a gift of grand proportion, a glimpse of what's to come. All right. Getting there. All right. Seeking depth in intimacy with God requires having time with God become fundamental to the rhythm of our life. Enriching our life with prayer and other spiritual practices instills our identity in God and leads us to feel familiarity and trust. When God has first place in our hearts, our soul is eagerly directed in his will. And when we are in close proximity with the most peaceful, loving, and amazing being in the whole universe, we are transformed. It is in seeking this sort of intimacy with God that we experience renewal of our minds and that directs us to respond to the world in a way that is not only missional and deliberate, but that is present, loving, considerate, and life-bringing, not only to the people around us, but for ourselves as we restore our openness to the fullness of life with God. Intimacy with God creates such a capacity for us to sense the Holy Spirit and be led to reach and serve people, but more simply to just be present and love people. We can always direct our attention to focus on God. 
we can always return to God because he is unchanging, ever-present, always facing us, always giving us his attention. We need only turn to him and join God in the sacred moment of his loving presence. Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes it's hard to recognize God and feel his presence in a moment. Sometimes patience will have to persist. Sometimes in our busyness or hurriness, we simply forget about God in our day-to-day. Spending time with God may need to start as forming a habit by setting times to just stop. Pause for an effect. (laughs) Whether it's moments in a day or a day in a week, deliberately disrupting our normal routine to remember who God is, to refocus and recenter our souls on the reality of God, we remember who we are and we live out of that identity. The more we choose to seek God in our private life, the more habitually we begin to partner with God in our public lives. Personally, I enjoy reading in a cafe. One thing about internship is I never used to like reading, and now like, I love reading. Like, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like waking up early to pray and read a psalm. I also like the stillness and quiet. Some people just can't do the stillness and find it better to seek intimacy with God on a walk. There's not just one way to do it. Everyone has to find their own special recipe, and it can be special, like a day of Sabbath or that monthly hike. But it can also be the totally everyday mundane, like practicing the presence of God by doing the dishes. Oh, my brother Brendan, he's dead. I don't know why I'm pointing to the camera. (laughs) Maybe he's listening. (laughs) Practicing the presence of God might start off feeling like a discipline which is a scary word, but spending time with God will end up becoming the most life-giving and genuine and fulfilling delight of life. But then again, I'm not married. (laughs) Having a time to just give God our attention is a simple, deep, but oh-so-powerful and fruitful form of worship. We can become familiar to God, and I believe we should all practice this diligently. It is in this very place of stopping, listening, belonging, and knowing that we become to realize God and the loving reality of what is, and we gain hope for what is to come, a place we desire to remain joyfully, peacefully, a place from which we live fruitfully as a branch in the vine of Jesus. Um, All right, so to wrap it up, I've got a quick quick story. Do we have time for that? All right. This is the bit I'm not reading, so it's a bit scary. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, May. So, uh, <laughs> um, all right. Um, so, I really like running. But recently, with some health, implica- health implications, I haven't really been able to run that much. But this morning, I really wanted to go on a run. And so, I got my shoes on, I got ready to go, and I decided that I was going to take it easy. And I think just in the slowness, I found myself present to God and breathing deeply and noticing the, the beauty of it all, could smell the, the, the plants. And it was a moment of praise. And um, I usually run about 4Ks. And then when, the wave, on the, like, when I'm back near the end, I'm gassed, just get past the line. But when I got to the end, halfway, instead of turning around, I kept going. I ran just over 11Ks, right? <laughs> I didn't know I could do that. Every time I was getting tired or I could feel the pain, I realized that I was running in my own strength or like striving. And then when I could return to God, I focused on my breathing and I relaxed. And then I was running from a place of rest and enjoying the moment. And it was good. Um, I have a, I, like I said before, I like reading in a cafe. I regularly go to Cotto, May. 
Um, <laughs> um, but another uh, barista there, who's my favorite barista, no offense, um, <laughs> we commonly have conversations about God. And um, this is, um, yeah, yesterday we're talking about, I usually have some kooky ideas and she makes them make sense afterwards. And I was, uh, the, the analogy we came across was something like, we can be in the cafe and um, we can hear music, but we haven't consciously acknowledged the music. It's not until we start listening to it that we realize it's the best song ever. And um, when the right song plays at the right time, it changes how we feel and it's good and God is like that perfect song in perfect harmony and the beauty of it is we're invited to jam and yeah um, so yeah I guess I'll pray to finish um, Father God thank you so much that you have a spot just for us in the vine that life with you is the best way Lord and that you are patient with us and and so gracious, Lord, and that a life with you, living with you, is a life of freedom, not a life of, of burden. And Lord God, I just pray that we can learn to abide better every day and live the fruitful lives you have intended, to us, intended for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think when he said he was single, there was a second part, but everyone cheered so loudly that we missed it, and all you heard was Harry single, and there was a big cheer, so uh, you heard what you heard. Just so good, man, just abiding in the vine, just resting in God. He's not looking for us to prove ourselves. We can rest in him. Amazing. Hey, our, uh, our second preacher tonight is a youth leader and an intern, and Barossa Valley's greatest export currently to date. And she is like the Snow White of youth group. Like she goes out into the forest and the, the girls just flock to her and sit on her hands. It's unbelievable. But she is just a passionate, creative, thoughtful woman of God who knows Jesus deeply and, and wants to make him known to the world. Would you celebrate and cheer on Liam Morgan? Um, you will have to excuse my box of props. As Mike said, I'm in youth ministry. Youth ministry requires props because visual aids. Um, oh, righty. Um, so yeah, as Mike said, I'm Leah and I am super excited to be sharing just a little bit about what God's been um, speaking to me about over the last few weeks as we've looked at the I am statements in John's gospel. Um, so today's Bible reading is John 8:12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. So our second I am statement for today is I am the light of the world. Let's get into it. So light and darkness have long been used as descriptors, metaphors, and symbols for many concepts and understandings. They provide such a clear image that illuminates so much of human life, a visual representation for us to analyze. But where did light come from? Did light break into darkness, or did darkness defeat light? Genesis 1, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void. The darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. 
and there was light. The earth was dark, formless, and void. Dark. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Before there was sky and land, seas and plants, even the sun and moon, living creatures and humans, there was light. But why is that important? Why is the knowledge of the first thing that God created, being light, important? Because it tells us who he is. It tells us that God is light. When Jesus came, bringing with him the power of God, literally on earth and the new covenant, the new promise of God for his people, of the forgiveness of sins and the restored relationship through Jesus' death and resurrection, he brought light, a reminder that God, Father, Son, and Spirit still was who he said he was. He was still light. Again, it takes us back to our reading for today. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, so God created light. Jesus is the light of the world. What does that look like? Well, let's look at it practically for a moment. At the very basics of what it is, what is light? Well, according to one of the many dictionaries available to us on the internet, light is something that makes things visible or affords illumination. Great, so light helps us to see. So let's look at something a bit more in our everyday world of where light is. The light from the sun during the day helps us to see the pretty flowers when walking down the street or the cute puppy when we're walking to the shops and the human, but, you know, mostly the puppy. Um, so light shows us beauty. More so, it illuminates beauty. The beauty of God's creation, of nature, of his people, features and characteristics. The light God created in the beginning of Genesis highlights the wonder of the waters, the artistry of the skies, the beauty of each organism and being created. In Matthew 14, it talks about Jesus feeding the 5,000, and it says, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. Through light, Jesus saw the significance of the crowd, willing to sit under his teaching, under the love of God. He saw the need for them to be fed, and he saw the beauty and the simpleness of the bread and the fish. And because he is light, he was able to bless the people he was with. There was beauty in the gathering of community, of the sharing of food, of a desire to learn. And Jesus, light of the world, was able to illuminate that beauty. A beauty that reflects something of the eternal beauty of God. Now, when I was about five or six, uh, my family took a holiday to Narracourt. It was a big extended family um, holiday in Narracourt. And as you do when you go to Narracourt, you go to the Narracourt Caves. Um, now, just a little context, me as a five-year-old did not like the darkness. We were not friends. I was the kid that had the bathroom light on, the door open so the light from the bathroom could shine into the bedroom and the nightlight in the corner. Um, and on this tour, um, we, it had like the little lights to guide you along the path so you could see where you were going. And they were talking about the history of the caves and the science of the caves. And then they mentioned um, that when there was no artificial light in the caves, it was so dark you could not see your hand in front of your face. Um, and then they had to demonstrate it. So they turned all the lights off and it got pitch black and I was not a fan. I started to panic, but then I turned slightly, and I saw a small glow, a small glow in what was supposed to be pitch black. 
It was my dad's watch. He had one of those like glow-in-the-dark faces on his watch. I pulled closer to the light and found comfort in the arms of my dad, focusing on the light and the peace, hope and safety I found in the darkness. The light had pushed back the darkness. The darkness was no longer a danger or scary because the light showed me love. God of light shows up in the darkness. And he is present in two ways. The first being much like my dad's watch in the narrow court caves, finding us when we are in darkness, bringing us comfort, peace, safety, and love. Mark 4.39, when Jesus and the disciples are on the boat in the middle of the storm, says, He woke up and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. In the darkness of their fears, Jesus was the light, hope, and peace for the disciples. But the light doesn't just shine to meet us in moments of awe and wonder or moments of fear and darkness. Jesus, light of the world, used his presence to illuminate the edges of society, the sick, the outcast, places of darkness. Time and time again, he shows us how to go into those places and light them up with hope, peace, joy, and love. Mark 10, 30-31, Simon's mother-in-law was in a bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. The light he brought was healing. Mark 2.15, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with them and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. The light he brought was forgiving and transforming. And for those of us who are followers of him, I'm sure, can remember a time when Jesus, light of the world, stepped into the darkness of our lives and lit it up. Our God is a God who meets people where they're at. But he is also a God who uses his people to meet others, to love others, and to reflect his light on others. Which leads us to our next point, that light is a spark that sets hearts on fire. In the Gospel of John, chapter 9, Jesus says, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And we've already seen that in our previous verses, when he was in the world. But there's been a second ignition point. We now have some of that light because we are called as followers of him to go and make disciples of all men as all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, Matthew 28. Jesus sparked new life in us through the way he lived, but also through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, the events of Pentecost unfold when the Holy Spirit comes down in tongues of fire and fills the people with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the match that lights the flame of light in us. A spark of joy in the beauty, of hope in the darkness, of peace, of love. A spark of the light of the world, and our hearts are set on fire. There is a new passion, a new life, a new light. In the same way, we take that light and illuminate the world, sharing the spark that ignites more hearts, more hearts that in Jesus' name would find hope, peace, joy, love, and the ultimate light, Jesus. But practically, what does that look like? What are some real-life examples of that? Is it Mother Teresa bringing hope to kids in the slums? Is it Bonhoeffer praying and singing hymns in the horrors of prison in Nazi Germany to bring comfort to his fellow inmates? Driving your friend to the beach when they couldn't leave their house because of their depression? Or is it like an older lady I know, Mary, she's 78, and every week she still goes to the nursing home to see the friends and the residents there, even though she is the same age as some of them? 
just because she knows it's going to bring a smile to their face and bring them some joy? Is it Paul teaching the gospel to the people of the new church? All of these are people experiencing the light for themselves and going on to spark the light in others, to spark the light of life. Now, we can sit here and acknowledge that all of these are amazing things, and all of them probably could be attributed to the light of the world working in and through these people. But how do we distinguish the difference between the actions we take out of our own goodness and actions that are fruit of the risen, living Jesus shining through us? The things we do when we are working with the power of Christ are not for us to gain recognition, but because of the zeal, the intensity of his light that we want to share it with others. Because the light of God is powerful. A friend of mine had a youth leader during high school, and my friend was really struggling with her mental health at this time and really suffering with it, and every youth would go and hide out in the bathrooms. And every time this youth leader, she would go and she would sit with her, and they would talk, and sometimes she would go in and drive her home just to be with her. The calmness and the love in which she responded to my friend began to bring them back from the depths, and they slowly began to see the light in their leader. There was a hope and a peace about her. Seeing this encouraged my friend to seek out living again, living with a glow of the hope, love, peace, joy of Jesus. The chain reaction of the spark of the light of the world that sets hearts on fire is powerful. Amen. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life, the light that illuminates beauty, that pushes back the darkness, that was first ignited in us through the Spirit, that we get the opportunity to spark in others. The light that is Jesus, the Jesus who came to bring light and life and life to the full. Let's pray. Oh, loving Father God, God, you are light, you are love. God, thank you for revealing the beauty of the world for bringing hope in the dark, for guiding us to and through the dark. Thank you for sharing your light in us. God, I pray that we are filled with your light and go forward in your name, taking with us the security we have because of you, but also the responsibility to share and reflect your light with others. God, in a world that so desperately needs it, bring your light, make the darkness run, bring hope, bring healing, transformation, peace, joy, love, because God, you are the light of the world. In your powerful name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. So good. Hey, can we just thank our interns one more time? Awesome, awesome job. I'm the light of the world, says Jesus. And, and if you're in me, you will not have darkness, but have light. I love that. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I think um, for those of us here who, who already believe in Jesus, it's something you know and you think about. And then sometimes you forget because you just live life. And as you live life, it sort of slips away. You know it's there in the background. But the beauty is... Usually, we're wise enough to go at some point when we really, really need it. Oh, yeah, that's right. The light of the world. I have the light of the world. 
if, if we're doing well, we're focusing on that more often than not. But sometimes we don't because life. But what I'm here to tell you is that if you're here and Jesus is unfamiliar to you, you can have that light too. Jesus actually came to give his life for you. He came to die or to live first and then to die and then to live again for you. Now, this is what we call the gospel, which is the, which just an old word that means good news. And, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, that God, out of his sheer goodness and kindness, decided to make human beings out of love. And human beings, out of our own rebellion and our desire to do whatever we want, and you know what that's like, we all feel that feeling. We steered our own lives away from God. Where He was holy, we said, we want whatever we want. We think we can find a better way. We, we were scrambling around in the darkness away from the light. But because God is so extraordinarily loving, He said, I, I, I long for my children to know their Father. because Not just because I am loving, but because they need this. They need this. And so Jesus, God Himself, came to earth, born of the Virgin Mary, living a fully human life, being tempted as we are, experiencing emotion and temperature changes and everything that we do. He lived the perfect life we were meant to live. He performed miracles and healings. He cast out demons. He set the captives free. He brought people on the edge of community back into community. He has brought the homeless home. And then at the end of his ministry life, they took him and crucified him, the most painful death that the Romans had to offer for the claim of being the king of the Jews, just a different kind of king than they were expecting. They hung Jesus up on a cross to die. And the Romans and the Jewish leaders thought that would be the end of it. And they buried him in a tomb. But three days later, he rose again from the grave. The tomb was empty and Jesus was raised in glory. And what that means is that there is eternal life for you. Jesus was the first resurrection. But you get that as well through Him. So the real good news is this. Following Jesus, believing in Him, is not just about going to heaven when you die. It's a big part of it. It's actually about life to the fullness now, right now. The light of the world, Jesus Christ, you receiving and understanding that light in yourself and then becoming a part of sharing that light to others. That is the purpose of your life, friends, to know God and to make Him known. And it will transform you if you let it. So what I want to do tonight is something we love to do at Encounter, and that's to give everybody every opportunity to know Jesus for themselves. And so we do it in as much anonymity as you can in a big room. Um, And that is just by asking everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. Even if this isn't something you want to respond to, that's totally fine. You don't have to respond to it. But out of respect for people who do, I just ask if you could close your eyes. Just out of respect for other people. And if you're here tonight and you've been invited by a friend, and spoilers, they've invited you because they're reaching out out of their light to share light with you. And if you're here tonight and... um, Jesus is just knocking on the door of your heart. You sense something bigger than yourself. You sense, in fact, God calling you home. He's saying, my daughter, my son, I love you. Put your trust in me. Follow me. 
Let me transform your life. Let me save you. If that's you in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, I'm going to ask you just to put up your hand while everyone's eyes are shut, just respecting those who want to make that decision for themselves. One, God loves you. Two, He's welcoming you home. Three, if that's you, just put up your hand. So good. Praise God. If that's you, you're here tonight, you want to say yes to Jesus, give your life to the one who loves you, the God who has called you his own, then you're in good company. Someone's already put up their hand. There's still a moment. If you're online and you're reaching out, I know there'll be lots of people who maybe weren't sure if they were comfortable to walk into a church tonight because it could be pretty jarring if you're not used to it. But if that's you, we'd love you to reach out to Jeannie, our online host, because she would love to pray for you. Is there anyone else? I just want to give a moment because I know there's lots of new people and this can be nervous for people. All right. For that person who responded tonight, I'm, I'm just going to pray for you. We're not going to make you stand up or say your name or anything like that, but I'm going to pray for you. And that's just our way of reminding you that God loves you and he's called you into his family. Jesus, tonight for this person, for this man who has said, I want to follow you, Jesus. God, I believe in you. I know that you are the one true God and I want to give my life to you and follow you. Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on him right now? May you know the blessing and encouragement of being in the presence of God. God, would you speak to him? And God, would he be able to sense your presence, not just today, but out in the world? Thank you, Lord. We just declare that as Jesus said, it is finished, your sins are forgiven. That he would receive the forgiveness of God and be able to walk into a new life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, church, can we just welcome a new brother into our family tonight? So good. Nothing more exciting. Nothing more exciting. The Bible says that all of heaven celebrates when one person gives their life to Jesus. And so I'm, I'm deliberately like scanning the crowd. I know who it was, but because I, I was the one person with my eyes open. But if that's you, as I'm scanning the crowd and pretending like I don't know where they're sitting, um, just I'd love to chat to you afterwards. We want to give you a Bible as a gift to start uh, your journey with God. It's just a gift from us to you to say we want to invest in you in this way. So, so exciting. And because there's so many new people here, if you have questions afterwards, and I spoke to someone before, I said, do you have any questions? They were like, a lot, but I think I'll just observe. For start with. I was like, that's probably a good idea. Um, if you have questions, just come ask. We're an open book. Uh, we'd, we'd love to talk to you about who Jesus is and what that means for your life. But we're going to finish with uh, one more song. The team's going to lead us in one more song. And uh, then we are going to get into the baptism. So I just want to invite you to stand with me. And why don't we worship with joy together tonight?